Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And I can see the protection the vaccine has given. There are people out there that are more severely affected just in terms of patient population. And the thing with this virus is that it's so unpredictable. I can't tell you who's going to catch COVID and be really badly affected and who isn't going to get it and be less affected. The key thing I do know is that vaccination just reduces that risk right down of severe disease. And that's what I just want to see people protected. And we need to utilize all the tools that we, because we know more. So there's the vaccination, the masks in public places and indoor spaces, the sanitation. Please, everyone, keep washing your hands. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I'm delighted to have Dr. Oge Olno. I've messed it up already. Dr. Oge Iloswe here with me today. Um, I did check pronunciation of her name and I have already messed it up, but a fabulous GP that's been practicing medicine for nine years, a GP partner at your practice and a GP trainer for over four years. Sorry for that awful introduction, but thank you so much for being here. Not at all. No, the pronunciation was good. I'm also, <laughs> I'm also a disgrace to my race because I'm Ibo via North London. So I also don't pronounce my name properly if you talk to some hardcore relatives of mine. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we can write it all off then. Thank Indeed. you for being so gracious. So we are here to talk about just the zillion questions, the uh, tons of fear, conflicting messages, lots of everything, lots of ish flying around regarding Omicron, regarding booster jabs and regarding COVID in general. Yeah. So just wanted to sit down and really just hear your thoughts and all of this. So lots of questions really coming your way. That is absolutely fine. Really <laughs> glad to have the conversation and thank you for having me on your great podcast. Oh, thank you for being here. Okay. So if you got an infection during pregnancy, will this affect the baby's development? It's a really good question. Really a big area of concern for pregnant women and their partners and families. And basically, we know that studies in the UK show that pregnant women are no more likely to get COVID than any other healthy adult. But if you do contract COVID, there is a slightly increased chance of being more severely unwell. And people may know that pregnancy is a relative immunocompromised state because you have a baby, you're cultivating and growing, and the immune system is slightly depressed in pregnancy to allow for the pregnancy to progress and, and be fully viable. So what we know is that if you were to catch COVID, lots of pregnant women get COVID and can recover. But we know, we have to say as healthcare professionals, that we see pregnant women really unwell in hospital with COVID. And there is an increased chance of severe illness from COVID. Um, in terms of affecting baby's development, so the placenta is a wonderful thing. It protects baby from so many things. And we know... Um, basically that protective antibodies from vaccination can cross the placenta to protect baby. So it may be possible to 
pass COVID to the baby before they're born. But babies are resilient. They are, babies and little kids are really resilient. And we know COVID, one of the major risk factors is age. So the main difficulty with COVID in pregnancy is to the mum being severely unwell. And then the danger to babies, um, there's a slightly higher chance of stillbirth or premature birth as well. So that is the kind of the, the risk to baby. So basically we can't we haven't seen that infection covid infection itself or the vaccination has had any effect on baby's development but it is an emerging area that we're still tracking people and tracking infections and tracking um the pathway for is the thinking that it is safe to take the covid vaccine if you're pregnant is that the advice the strong recommendation and encouragement is to proceed and have your vaccination if you're pregnant and if you're thinking of being pregnant. Now, it is confusing to some people. I was involved in the program. We have been vaccinating against COVID since the 8th of December last year, 2020. So um, the first vaccine was given in England, which is amazing. And since then, we've vaccinated over 106 million people in the, uh, in, in the UK. At the beginning, when we started last December, I was in my local vaccine hub and we asked the question, are you planning on being pregnant in the next three months or are you pregnant now? And if the answer to those questions was yes, we weren't giving you the vaccine at that point. But from April this year, 2021, there was then more data, real term data, real life data from America in particular, where they'd vaccinated over 100,000 women at that point. It's now many, many more. And they had tracked and done real-time observational studies. And that they'd also seen the risk of more severe infection in pregnant women. And on that risk-benefit balance, the recommendation was just changed to then say, we do recommend vaccination in pregnancy because okay. the benefits outweigh the risks. So that, that's what's happened. So right now, okay. the absolute recommendation is to proceed and get vaccinated if you're pregnant. Okay, so when you go and get your vaccination, why do they ask, are you pregnant or do you think you're going to be pregnant? What would happen if you said yes? Because we don't do trials in pregnant women. It's not ethical. So the corona vaccine trials that happened kind of spring, summer of 2020 weren't done involving pregnant women. And so we used real-time data to base the current recommendations. And the real-world data is mainly from America. And America used Pfizer or Moderna, the mRNA vaccines. Whereas in the UK, we have three vaccines that we commonly gave last year. So Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca, which is our own Oxford vaccine. So the reason why we ask is that we want to make sure we're given the recommended vaccine, which is Pfizer and Moderna at the moment, only because we have the most data with those vaccinations from the global data, as well as now UK-owned data. So that's the main reason they ask um, if you're pregnant. Okay. So the, the thinking is strongly encouraged to have the vaccine if you're pregnant. Yes. And what about second and third jabs? Does it matter? So the, you'd be encouraged to have the vaccine. You'd be offered the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. Um, the guidance is that you have the same vaccine for your second dose as you had for your first. But then the booster dose is now three months after your second dose. And that can be with either Pfizer or Moderna. So if you're pregnant, again, they'll be sticking to one of those two vaccines. And everyone actually with the boosters getting Pfizer or Moderna. Okay. So just going back to baby 
obviously you have your newborn baby and there's loads of everything going on in your head obviously worry fear panic hormones sleep deprivation everything um is there anything else we should be looking out for for symptoms in newborns so a patient asked me this the other day as well yesterday yeah and Ultimately speaking, many babies with any virus will not show sign of illness because babies, like I said, I, I did pediatrics and a neonates job, and they're remarkably resilient, even though they're these tiny beings that are completely dependent on us for everything. Um, the key thing I'd say to anyone worried about their baby having COVID, it's about being looking out for the signs of infection in general. So if babies have a cough or fever, they're just a little bit jittery they're different you know mums parents know their babies know their children so they know when they're not behaving in the normal way if they're not feeding if they have less wet nappies you know if they're a funny color if their breathing's a little bit off you should be getting medical attention straight away so general signs covid19 is an infection like any other infection as such you know so the signs of infection are similar so those general signs that you look out for and we're told about to look out for signs of infection or illness in a baby are what you should be looking out for with COVID as well. Okay. And with new mothers who choose to breastfeed, can COVID-19 spread through breast milk? Not that we have seen. No evidence to suggest that the virus can be transmitted through breast milk but then we know that droplets so we talk a lot about respiratory droplets and it's airborne so in the same way that anyone else can pick up obviously a mum and baby can't be separated or isolated especially if mum's breastfeeding so it can pass on to the baby in the same way as it can pass on to anyone that's in close contact to an infected person but the current evidence is that babies and children do have much less severe symptoms than adults so I would say the benefits of breastfeeding and obviously needing to be close to your baby will outweigh the potential risks from COVID infection. But you have to balance that with how well the individual feels who has the infection as well, because may not want to breastfeed or may not be able to. So that all has to be balanced up. Okay. And still safe to take the vaccine or still suggested, encouraged to take the vaccine whilst breastfeeding? Absolutely. Yes, it is. Okay. Now... Amongst all the all the different messaging going around um, in the WhatsApp groups that we have for Dope Black Mums, there was a lot of concern about people who suffer from sickle cell and yeah. families living with sickle cell. Yeah. Are what's the thinking of taking vaccines for people with sickle cell? So people with sickle cell were we had um, several groups of clinical vulnerability that we 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 at the beginning of the pandemic. So people with chronic conditions, certain chronic conditions were deemed to be at potential risk of severe complications from COVID-19. So people living with sickle cell were in that group, extremely clinical vulnerable. So they were encouraged to shield and they were first in line to be offered the vaccine when it was first rolled out. So vaccines are safe and it is absolutely recommended that everyone with sickle cell disease should get the COVID-19 vaccine. And the Sickle Cell Society and any of those charities or the um, organisations are recommending that. And they're really keen that people seek out the information, have 
conversations with trusted people so that they can make an informed decision based on the best evidence. So um, there are stories out there of people who have got the vaccine and it is really important that they're protected, even more important, you'd say, than those without sickle cell because of their increased vulnerability due to the condition. Mm. And there's just so much information out there and so many different sources. And it's obviously, in general, a scary time for the world. So it's just feeding in to just a lot, a lot of fear. So are there any myths that you come across quite regularly that you could squash right now? I mean, there's so many. We're there's so many. So I mean, that, that's, that's the issue. There's just so much going around. I was saying the other day that we're in a massive information age, vast mm. amounts of information, but, are, but we're, we're, we're quite knowledge poor in terms of the ability to weigh up information, critically analyse it. I say, because ultimately our social media feeds and our WhatsApp groups, you know, like attracts like, and you click on something and then it will show you something with that viewpoint. Totally. So it is really, really important that you're, and for me, it's the first time any of us has been in a pandemic. The last one was, you know, over a hundred years ago, influenza. And so it's the first time we've all experienced this. So it's been an incredibly anxious time and the fear mongering, the different messages, And as it's an emerging picture, things have emerged. It seems things have changed, you know, advice has been flying around. But what I would say is that you get something on WhatsApp or you see something on your Facebook or social media page, really think about the source, think about where it's from, think about the intention and the agenda, potential agenda behind it. And then I would say, go and seek out an opposite viewpoint and always get information from trusted sources. I know people, there's a, with this health pandemic, and because it's a pandemic, politics and governments have gotten involved. And we all know that, you know, sometimes people don't trust what our politicians say. But ultimately, this is a health issue. And I'd say go to the NHS websites, go to, um, in terms of pregnancy, the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has some really good decision aids and clear information for patients, as well as healthcare professionals. NHS.co.uk, there's a really good website called Vaccine Facts and all those things. It's important to just balance the sometimes the really scaremongering stuff on WhatsApp and Facebook that can't always be verified and balance it with some of the trusted sources and then make that informed choice. Because it's not an informed choice if you're just using one-sided information. You have to be able to weigh it up critically with other information as well. Yeah, and like you said, once you read one viewpoint, that viewpoint, that stance gets pushed to you continuously so I suppose it's just not leaning into that fear taking a step back and just doing your being diligent on your own research before you make any decisions and that requires a little bit of effort you know which is tricky in our busy rich lives lots of different hats going on that it is sometimes easier to just scroll through read that and take that opinion as gospel and not do the due diligence to go in to go and check small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I agree. And I think because. It's like you, it, it, the way your feeds work, it will kind of build on that same thing. If you click on something of interest, it will just show you the same thing over and over. If we're just a little bit aware that that's how these things work, we do. People say they've done research, but they've just read what their feed has said and the feed can be saying much of the same thing. So I just really encourage people to go and look at that NHS website. Go and look at the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. There's so many really great podcasts, um, Instagram pages as well that are trying to disseminate information in a really easy, because sometimes you don't want to go and read a scientific paper. They're not necessarily easy to decipher, but there's some really good work out there trying to break it down into bite-sized messages that everyone can understand. That's what we need, something that's accessible and digestible, because it's a lot to take in, especially if there's any technical terms flying around, especially if you're anxious, which is normal, on top of that being a parent. Yeah. And, you know, it it can be a lot to take in. So I think it's just obviously taking a moment to have a think about this before making any big decisions. Yes. Do you do you emphasize emphasize with the hesitancy and the resistance within the black community on the vaccine and a lot of the COVID it's not propaganda, but mm. the COVID conversation. Do you, I mean, it, it, it feels rife yeah. in the community. And yeah. yeah, do you, do you, do you come across that a lot? Oh, no, for sure. I mean, yeah. I'm sitting around these boards, um, even right at the beginning, before the vaccine came out, they were saying black people aren't going to get this vaccine. There's going to be hesitancy <laughs> in the black community. And yeah. for me, that's one of the reasons I stepped up to this job with the vaccine program, London Region, because I felt that those of us who are black professionals doing the J job needed to step up and, and be seen. And kind of be, be seen, yes, be visible mm. to say, let's have this conversation there's there's many reasons why the powers that be aren't to be trusted. Let's look mm-hmm. at maternal morbidity and mortality. You know, we all know the awful statistics around, yep. you know, the mortality yeah. for black and brown mums. Let's look at, you know, the outcomes from, you know, cancer, the health inequalities. All COVID has done is expose the health inequalities we know exist totally. and made it that at, it's there. And so, at the start of this journey, there was a higher death rate reported, wasn't there? It was. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we can't fight that, we can can't we? Fight that. we? But why are we more at risk? Let's be clear. We yes. are the ones out there. We can't go to our converted office attics to work from home. 
We are mm-hmm. out there doing the care jobs, doing the bus driving, doing the porters in the hospital, even in the hospital, the doctors and nurses in the acute wards without the adequate PPE at the beginning were the black and brown faces. Let's be clear. So that we were at higher risk because of the work we do, because of the fact that we couldn't stay at home and necessarily protect ourselves. So there are lots of different reasons for that. And ultimately, it is about breaking down some of those reasons and then addressing it. Mm. And I, I think with the lack of mistrust, that's why we talk about the three pillars, confidence, complacency and convenience. So I don't really like hesitancy. Some don't mind it, but I think it's a lack of confidence in the vaccine. Hence, conversations and, inf- and information and knowledge need to be um, explored and expanded on. Convenience, it has to be convenience. We had care workers who were on shifts that couldn't get to vaccines or were on zero hour contracts. So it cost them to take time out. So those needed to be childcare. And then complacency, oh, it's not going to affect me. It's not really a dangerous illness. So those are the things we need to tackle with information. But I think the trust and the lack of confidence is a big thing. So some of that is misinformation. And some of that, these people really don't have my best interests at heart. So I think there's a lot of work we need to do to build on that trust. And there's been great work done by community champions, peer-to-peer support and information spreading hard yards one-to-one conversation but I think for me it's really important to do that work and then beyond the vaccine talk about some of the other health parameters that we really need to make inroads on and I think the legacy of the work that's been put into vaccine and some of the lessons learned will hopefully translate into some of those other areas. Hmm. I mean and some of this hesitancy is deep mistrust historically this is this is embedded mistrust so you are in the trenches with this what would you like to see short term what could we do right now to make a change to make a difference so i think podcasts like this and you inviting me on is brilliant just spreading information and bringing forward a viewpoint. I think the visibility of more black health professionals is important as well. And and there are lots of people doing great advocacy and engagement work um, across the capital in particular. I'm a Londoner, so I know London, and so I can talk about London. But even across the country, there's some brilliant groups doing fantastic work. So just greater visibility and knowledge of that is important. Um, Midterm and long term, there are real legacy work. You know, people are working very hard behind the scenes, but they are looking for ideas. So engage the community groups, the faith groups. We are reaching out more to them. But I do think it is that grassroots level up to feed in to these these organizations that make the decisions. And they're looking for ideas. They're looking for us to come up with solutions. So I think the onus is on us, Black professionals and the Black community, which is not a monolith, but a lot of us to then come up with the solutions and feed in to these organizations, which are hungry for ideas. That much I have seen. Mm, mm. I think... It's great to obviously keep on having the conversation. It's great to put out a balanced picture, to have all information on your plate so you can make a decision, whatever decision you make. I think that's great. I just wonder, after we've had the conversations, then what? The long-term plan and how we maintain that with a mid-term plan, 
really interests me because I think I think we do have these conversations. I think we all have these conversations yeah. quite yeah. quite yeah. often. Yeah. yeah, and I just wonder what more can we do? What can we ask for? How can we inform our children to make balanced decisions? And um, what, you know, what, uh, what responsibility do we have to push this conversation forward, um, rather than just cussing about it, or, you know, just calling people out, like, what can we actually do? Because um, I feel, you know, nearly or over a year in now, um, we are having the same conversation. There was a massive catalyst of ideas and conversations with the Black, the George Floyd movement and Black Lives Matter, the protests yeah. we saw in the summer. And there was just such an energy about it that it did feel like quite a unique time where you say we have these conversations, but we, we maybe have those conversations amongst ourselves. And for me, it felt a bit different last summer because all of a sudden those conversations were having those broader spaces with work colleagues and inviting people from other races and cultures to say, look at this is what's happening. I think now people with, as time has gone on, whether or not people are as open to making the actions, you know, people are now mm. hungry for actual tangible actions. Mm. And that's where I think we as individuals, whether we're black professionals or healthcare professionals, have a responsibility to step up to some of these tables. Like, we're all so busy and overwhelmed, but I think being around some of these tables of, you know, decision-making, a little bit more influence, strategic, can be helpful in terms of really pushing forward some amazing ideas and, and things that have been happening in the communities. So there's, I mean, the one programme I'll say, the Community Champions, there's been a lot of funding put, not as much funding actually as other things, but funding has been put to train up and raise up community champions in each borough in London. And some of the stories coming out of them. And I think the battle, what we're talking about in terms of some of the health inequalities and some of the injustices we've seen with the peer-to-peer -peer support, these community champions that volunteer their time a lot of the time, can really do the work in improving outcomes in the long run. And I'd like to see more investment in that and more kudos given to that. And I think that's something that can make a real change. So then these ideas are then fed up to the places that can really make the decisions and really make the changes that we all want to see. So that's one that, thing. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. That's a big thing. And that would be amazing. And I And yeah, it'd be great to see how that develops. So now it's been over a year since the first COVID-19 vaccine was given in England. Yeah. How does it feel looking back on that year? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I remember, I mean, March, April 2020 and how fearful it all was. We had to go out to work. I was looking after a care home and we had one resident discharged from a hospital and in the space of 10 days, nine residents, you know, and oh. away. it was just horrendous. And yeah. so scary. And you're trying to support people in it because life was cancelled, wasn't it? It was just mm -hmm. this COVID. And of course, other stuff was happening. People were still losing, you know, family members to other conditions. 
and people were struggling to get treatment for other conditions. So it was such a turbulent time and things were changing so fast. Then December came and at first it's like, how did they get that vaccine so quickly? And then as you did the research and realized the money and the impotence and the global will that was put behind getting a solution to the fact that they needed this pandemic to be over, you realized how they were able to, where there's a will, there really is a way. And where there's collaboration, magic really happens. So we had these vaccines. So we then started vaccinating and the big push and the positivity in those vaccine hubs. I can't tell you in the cold of winter, come rain, come shine, people came together, volunteered, wanted to roll out this vaccine and the the hope, the chinks of hope that there may be a way out. And then obviously we went into spring and summer. The vaccine program has just been incredible. It's been such a Herculean effort by so many different parts of the system. And then again, we're now in another stage where it feels, what is this with another variant? So this time last year, it was Delta that cancelled Christmas, if you remember. And then we're now here with the craziness of Omicron and record Mm -hmm. numbers. And it's like... Why are we here again? But it's yeah. a bit different because we do have... We know more, don't we? We know a lot more. There is the protection of vaccines. We have testing. Remember, we did not have testing, you know, at all in the in the vast, it, it, as accessible as we do now. And so these are really good tools. And we know more about how COVID is transmitted and what what, what to do to protect ourselves. So we do know more. And so I do think it's not as, you know, downbeaten as it was before but it does feel like there's a little way to go because we're not out of this pandemic yet and we're all really tired of it Um, (laughs) but I'm still hopeful and I know and I can see the protection the vaccine has given there are people out there that are more severely affected just in terms of patient population and the thing with this virus is that it's so unpredictable I can't tell you who's going to catch COVID and be really badly affected and who isn't going to get it and be less affected. The key thing I do know is that vaccination just reduces that risk right down of severe disease. And that's what I just want to see people protected. And we need to utilize all the tools that we, because we know more. So there's the vaccination, the masks in public places and indoor spaces, the sanitation, please everyone keep washing your hands. (laughs) (laughs) That was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? When we were told how to wash your hands. Wait, hang on. Who doesn't know how to wash their hands? Well, what, but like, what I think doing before. Come on. What, I I have no idea. But I mean, in, yeah. in, in growing up, it wasn't even a thing. You yeah. you come back into the house and you wash, wash your hands. Your hands. Yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't a. This is how you wash your hands. Yeah. So yeah. that's something that we I think we were just brought up doing. So yeah, I think it was a shock and a real change. It shook everyone to the core, didn't it? And for me, I think, I hope it is a wake-up call for people to just think about their health and well-being in broader terms. So Mm -hmm. what are all things? Think of the fact, all the vaccine is doing is facilitating your amazing immune system to do what it was made to do, you know, produce antibodies and warriors to fight against infection. And that's what all vaccines do. And so it's about how do you make sure your immune system is as healthy as possible? Vaccine is a, vaccination is a really powerful tool, but how do you keep well? How do you make sure your cardiovascular, your heart disease risk is reduced, you know? Stopping yeah. smoking, reducing alcohol, exercise, eating as well as you can. Vitamin D in winter, because there's not enough sun, and maybe we're not supposed to be in a place with not enough sun. I think that is exactly what's, what's been telling. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, that vitamin D plays, we know it plays a really 
important part in immunity. Vitamin C that you can get from fresh fruits and vegetables, you know. You can take supplements, but food first and eating as well as you can. Getting all your screening, breast cancer, smear, bowel cancer. We're so privileged in the UK with the NHS that we have free cancer screening that can prevent, you know, catch things early, prevent things from developing into more severe disease. So I hope for me, um, the wider conversation about health and well-being um, has gotten people thinking about it in the last two years of this scary pandemic. Yeah. And and over this time during the pandemic, there's been so much loss, so yeah. much fear, yeah. so much death, so much negativity. Are there any gifts from the trenches, any gifts from your experience having this, you know, numerous conversations and, yeah. and these experiences with people um, yeah, anything so, that you've gained? I mean, no, absolutely. Loss is, we know in our minds that loss is an inevitable part of living and part of the kind of risk of being, you know, we, we are people meant for collectiveness and fellowship and engagement with others. But part of that risk is if you lose someone, that grief can be massively burdensome. So we all know the theory of loss is part of life, but the hard final reality of it can be so difficult. So for me, it's about people being really intentional with how they spend their time, who they spend their time with, reaching out and looking out for each other in a way that's meaningful to the individual and really taking the time to seek, you know, friends and family out um, and not get caught up in the grind of, you know, trying, to, you know, people have to make a living, people work really hard, but just remembering those key things that are important to your well-being, quality time with people that you care about, all those things I hope has caused a big, like the pandemic has caused a bit of a reset and people really thinking about what matters to them. So mm. that's what I would say. It's been um, uh, it's been a little bit revealing in terms of, for me, I feel like as a GP, you're it's such a, a privileged position. You're with people literally from cradle to grave. Yeah, they're so happiest, intimate. they're most vulnerable. And I think that's the key thing. People talk about being intentional with how you choose to spend your time. Um, and I think the pandemic um, has lots of lessons to teach all of us in that regard. Mm. And have you changed anything in your life during the pandemic? I have become a lot more content with quality time at home. Before, I was always yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you rush, know, rush. jumping on a rush, rush, rush. Yeah. I will be planning the next holiday, get on a plane, mm -hmm. escape, get mm -hmm. that R&R &R somewhere new every year, twice a year at least. So obviously, who was flying anywhere last year? Yeah, right? yeah. So it's about yeah. really thinking about new ways to recoup, rejuvenate. And for me, that contentness with stillness and rest, and even if it's the same place, finding um, times, quality moments with people has been really key for me, actually. Mm, that I mean, that's just, that is the key to life, isn't it? That's yeah. brilliant. And just lastly, for any mums listening, what would you really like us to take away from this conversation? Um, that it has been such a difficult time. And I really feel um, for women who plan to be pregnant, pregnancy, even delivery during a pandemic, having a baby has been so isolated in so many ways. But what I would say is that um, seek out the information from you know trusted sources as much as possible, really weigh up the risk benefits, 
we don't want to see, like the worst thing in the world for healthcare professionals is to see pregnant women so unwell in hospital with this awful virus. So really look at what can keep you and then um, baby safe as well. Vaccination is now, you know, shown to be safe in pregnancy, but I'd say get the help and advice you need from trusted people in your life. So whether it's your healthcare professional, I know access to GPs can be hit and miss, but there's a lot of people out there that would love to sit and have a conversation and try to alleviate any concerns or specific questions people have. So seek them out and and make the decision that's best for you and your family. I think that's really good advice. I think it's really good advice. I think it it really is just coming down to doing your own research so you feel comfortable, so you have all the facts to make the best decision for you and your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all your amazing wealth of knowledge and just your experiences during this pandemic. I can imagine, obviously, it's been trying for you and your family. It hasn't been easy. So thank you for your service and thank you for talking to me. I really hope it can um, give people some hope. Thank you so much. Let's let's hope for an end to this pandemic (laughs) in in the coming 2022. You know, this is what we want. All of us want, effectively. It needs to end. Absolutely. Yes, please. Dope Black Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Moms private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Moms on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.